This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Good morning. It is very early here on the Gold Coast in Australia. Quarter past five in the AM, in fact, and I think I've just been stood up by one of the greatest extreme metal drummers in history, Mr. Adrian Erlandson. Of course, he was in Cradle of Filth and is the current drummer in At the Gates and The Haunted. That's okay. These things happen. I'll try and connect with him at another time. But it does give me an opportunity to take advantage of the relative quiet and record the introduction to my conversation with Tommy Crash. Tommy has an extraordinary new musical vehicle titled The Leviathan Project, and I just had to have a chat to him because, in my humble opinion, this is the most solid collection of metal tunes I've heard in many, many years. The less I say up front, the better. So let's get to it. Here he is, Tommy Crash. He was in Britney Fox, but now he's the fella at the centre of the Leviathan Project. But, mate, let's, let's kick things off, um, Tommy, because... Chip, is it Chipster? The PR company sent me through the, is it, I suppose it's an EP. It's their world. And yes. I'm, I'm going to bestow upon you a fairly heavy compliment, but I think you deserve it, which is that I think this is the most essential heavy metal release I've heard in many years. Okay. Cool. That's awesome, man. <laughs> now, I Thank think you. You've, well, I think you've captured the spirit of late 80s thrash without ever resorting, and this is an important point, to worn out tropes or cliches. Now, in addition hmm. to that comment, I feel like as though you've tapped into the sonic universe that Chuck Schuldina was mining with Control Denied and, and the masterpiece, one of the greatest heavy metal albums ever recorded, Symbolic, released in, in 1995. And I'll, I'll hmm. go even deeper on that front. You, you've managed to capture some of the sci-fi tinged extreme metal at Nocturnus uh, and... Um, Yes, Nocturnus were taken care of there for many years. So, look, every year something jumps out at me that is a serious Mm. contender for the album or, in this case, EP of the year, and you've shot to number one with a bullet by far, mate. I just can't imagine anybody's going to beat you to the number number one spot in 2021. In In my humble opinion, your album or your EP is just that strong. So the first question I have for you after that monologue is that please tell me there's an album containing cuts very similar to what you've got here on the horizon. Well, the only quick comment I want to make, because you referenced death symbolic, you know that Bobby plays on this, correct? Okay. Maybe that's part of the influence. Um, Yeah. We have uh, this EP that came out with three, you know, three full rock tracks, three instrumentals on uh, God, they just gave me the date July 9th, I think, uh, or 7th is going to be another EP with six more songs. And then in, I believe, August, September-ish, the date's not set yet, there will be a full album coming out. So the the record company's taken a little bit of a different approach because, you know, we're all trying to do something different to capture everyone's attention and and the approaches to to release uh, EPs. Uh Uh-huh. Now, that's in order to to match with that bloody awful social media algorithm, no doubt, which is also what, but that's Spotify and Apple music too. <laughs> that's what, you know, Probably, that's what I that's guess. about. It's about, yeah. it's about relevance because if you're, I, I've got to say, uh, Tommy, I just can't see the value 
at this point in time in I know you're not a new musician. You've been around for a long time. You're a very credible musician, but new bands, new projects, releasing albums at this point in time because people don't give a shit. They put you one of your songs on, mm. an, on a Spotify playlist and the rest of the album is just not heard. And the, the, the analytics will back up what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I can track on YouTube and obviously you put your stuff on YouTube, the attention span of the people that are watching our content, you know. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm guilty of that because... Uh, Today, KK's Priest released a newer, another single. Hmm. I've started to listen to it three times today already. It's like six minutes long. I still haven't finished it, you know? And I don't know if that's because of the trackers, because it's probably my lack of attention. I mean, that's, you know, I bought the new um, uh, Morik CD. They're a um, black metal band. I bought that last week. Nice. Um, they're kind of like a dark throne, but like a brand new band or not brand new, but I bought that. I still haven't got through the whole thing. So I understand the lack of attention span. And that's, I guess that's maybe why the label's doing the EP, like you said, to match that algorithm. Yeah. I, I think, well, I think that's the only way forward for, for new, for new projects to shine. I mean, you can't assemble a more capable cast of heavy metal musicians than what you've done here with the Leviathan project. It just seriously could not, truly be accomplished i get you could say well you could have had gene hoagland involved or uh, steve DiGiorgio or people like that true but the mm -hmm. people that you involved in this project were more than capable of bringing to life the vision now you've already mentioned bobby cobley now mm -hmm. he, he played guitar now that's actually what piqued my interest mm. when the when the the email came through i thought bobby cobley because i've been trying to get an interview with him for for three years but he's just he's oh. off the radar he's just doesn't do things at the moment because as i've already mentioned i'm a huge death fan and i think symbolic is what is probably their high watermark but oh, I, wow. I must but i must confess i i haven't always understood if bobby's contribution to the album was important because chuck was just one of those guys who was all time let's face it he did everything and he could do everything he just brought in people around him to help complete his vision not necessarily created but right as I say, I, I didn't understand if Bobby's contribution was all that important to the album, but but what you've done here it actually unlocks that for me because his leads are amongst the tastiest that I've heard since mm -hmm. Rolf Santola's tour de force yeah. on Deicide's Sustentions of Redemption. So I, I've had to reassess my thinking of his contribution based on his efforts here. So when I say thinking of his contribution on the Symbolic album based on his efforts here with It's Their World. So... How did you guys meet and, and how did you ask Bobby to be part of the project? Um, <laughs> completely random. We, we both live in Orlando hmm. um, and we, I have a, a very close friend of the family that she's been close to us for 20 years. Uh, and she's in that musician group where she's kind of like a lounge singer, a studio singer, um, really schooled singer. And she's known Bobby because he plays in that circuit in Orlando too. She's told me about Bobby, God, probably for seven years. She's like, oh, you got to meet a friend of mine. He's a, he's a death heavy metal guitar player. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, because everyone knows someone. And I, and I don't know anything about death, to be honest to you, uh, to be honest with you. I really, I don't know much about them, but I, I, I researched him just enough to know that he was a kind of guitar player that I wanted for this. I wanted someone who plays in the vein of, early shrapnel records uh that's a label from the united states vinnie moore uh, tony mcalpine 
uh, Marty Freeman. I wanted someone who's a very technical metal guitar player. So it just happens that one of our family friends was good friends with Bobby. And, uh, and I think over Christmas or something, she's at our house and she texted him and, um, that was it. It was easy. Yeah. Bobby did. He lives probably about an hour away, I think. So he did his parts at his studio. I did them in my closet here. I, I inserted them and you know, <laughs> it's easy. There's no great mystery. It was completely random how I, if she wouldn't have introduced me, I would have never knew that Bobby was in town. Okay. Cause I don't follow the, the, I don't, like I said, it's, it's not that I'm not a fan of death. I've just haven't gotten there yet in my life. Haven't, haven't explored it enough. It's a massive universe. I've got to say Chuck's Chuck's legacy. He, he died about 20 years ago now. Yeah. Right. I think we're in the 20th year of his passing, but his legacy is only growing. I've spoken mm. to Gene. I've spoken to G Steve DiGiorgio was a great guy to talk about Chuck with because he was he was his go to basis for so long. And when I spoke to him, he said that it, his legacy is just building every single year, and that, and that also means guys like Bobby are becoming more mm. and more prominent, even though they might not realise it. And there's no PR behind this; is all fan driven. But the quality's right. there, and you've tapped into that, man. And you've tapped into that, and you've given him a platform for his his leads to shine. If if your songs weren't as well-crafted and I know you labor, and this is another point that I make I can hear that you've labored over these songs for tens if not hundreds of hours oh, now, yeah. I know that <laughs> I, I can I can hear that man I'm a musician myself yeah. and I don't know how many mixes you must have gone gone just to sort of make sure you got the right guitar tone so so on that point how did you what instructions did you give to Bobby about the sort of leads that you were looking for uh, well, initially what I just told you, I'm looking for a certain style. Uh, the first song that he recorded was the song called Leviathan. I think it's the first one on the EP. Mm. And I had originally, and you'll hear the demo version on the CD when that comes out, but I recorded all the leads on that. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I was just goofing around with the song. I had no intention of, of just doing anything. Um, but when I decided that I wanted a, a, a real good guitar player being, you know, Bobby to do this. I said, you know, if you want to change all my leads, go ahead. That's fine. I said, or if you want to keep the melodies and at the end, just kind of, you know, beef them up to your style a bit, do that. So he did exactly that on the first song. And then the second song, solar storm, um, I just said, Hey, from, uh, you know, zero seconds to 30 seconds, I need a lead here doing your thing with some harmonies in there from the middle section, I need a lead and I want to lead on the outro of the song. And I said, just do your thing, man. So pretty much, I mean, after the first song, I didn't give Bobby any instructions yet. There's still either an insecurity or the fact that, you know, being a uh, session musician, he always sends me back a clip of just the leads isolated with the music saying, Hey man, is this okay? Is this what you're looking for? And not once have I ever kicked it back and said, well, can you try this? Some of them are so freaking out there. It sounds like it sounds alien to me is, is the way the notes he picks. Yeah. I had to listen a couple, a couple times and be like, is this correct? Is it right? Cause he's so damn good. He's playing outside of the wheelhouse that my ears used to, but no, I, I really, I mean, you don't have to give a guy like that direction. He's so good. Yeah, uh, look, as I said, man, I've got to say, I didn't realize he was that good, though. And it was yeah. his, 
into your project that's allowed his music, allowed his very fluid playing style, out of the box fluid playing style, to truly flourish. And that also applies to Ripper, I've got to say as well, because I can't stand what the Judas Priest camp has done to him. I, I've honestly, I've never heard either of Ripper's Judas Priest albums in length. So I don't, I, I know you can't get them anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm talking I about. I, I don't, I don't know much about, it sounds ridiculous that I don't really know anything about death. I don't know anything about <laughs> Ripper's. I know about Ripper's history, but I don't, I never really sat down and listened to his stuff. So they've just, just he, erased him. They've just erased him from, from Jugulator and Jugulator is, is one of their best albums in my opinion, probably because that's an era. I was like 20 or whatever it was when I, when that came out and was one of my first after painkiller. That was the first album, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken in that the nineties. So there was two albums in the nineties. There was, Painkiller and the Jugulator. Mm. Jugulator basically picks up where Painkiller left off, but it's gnarlier and heavier. It's their heaviest huh. album by far. Demolition was a bit of a letdown, I think, to be honest with you. But anything that Priest have done since Halford got back into the band has been shit, in my opinion. Nothing huh. compared to what the early 80s stuff was like. Only Ripper. Well, Rob Rob's voice isn't what it used to be. It's just not there anymore. And I'm not being critical. It's anybody with any any uh what what's the right word uh an ear for what works from a sonic perspective knows that ripper has a better voice than rob and probably has had a better voice than rob since at least the mid 90s not shitting mm. on rob rob is all time he's the metal god but a fact is a right. fact and that's how i'm hearing it but what what you've done here with ripper again is you talk about solar storm mate my kids age six and eight are walking around the house singing that song you're getting through yeah. to a different generation, man. I mean, it's, oh, that's, that's like cool. that's soundtrack mm. quality, man. Mm. And Rip, Ripper's voice just takes it right over. So um, I get a bit of a similar question to Bobby. What was it like working with Ripper and how did you, how did you get him involved in the project? Uh, well, he, I got him involved because I, I did the one song, Leviathan. I wrote it and uh, I wrote it mainly just looking for guitar tones in my studio and kind of messing around and it, it developed into a song. And I was looking at a couple different singers, which I had really yet to have a chance to contact. And a, a good friend of mine here in the States, Chris Aiken, he has a show called The Classic Metal Show. I just spoke to him this and, morning by <laughs> email. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a great guy. Um, yeah. So Chris has been friends with Tim with Ripper for a long time. I gather, I think since before Priestery he's known him because they both live in the same area. And he just matter of factly, because I said, I'm looking for a singer to do this song. He's like, well, why don't you give Ripper a call? I'm like, okay. I'm like, he never crossed my radar. He wasn't, he wasn't on my, he wasn't one of my picks just because I, I wasn't that familiar with him, to be honest. Um, so we got in touch. I sent him the song Leviathan and, um, he gets a lot of stuff sent to him. So he had asked, you know, if I had melody and lyrics for it, because basically I was going to send him a lyric sheet and, and the melody, and he would do his thing with it and ripperize it and send it back. And I'm like, Oh shit, I forgot to write this. So, so I got together with the guy who plays bass in my band. He's a co-writer and a co-conspirator on this, a good friend of mine, Matt Nardo. So Matt's got an awesome voice, but he sounds more like Don Dawkins or Lou Graham or something. He's mm -hmm. not a metal voice. So I said, hey, Matt, you want to help me finish this for the hell of it? Ripper's going to sing it. So I, I came up with the guts of, of the song Leviathan, uh, sent my horrible vocals to Matt. Matt finished the lyrics. He sang it like a songbird, beautiful. 
sent that track to Ripper with the lyrics uh, a couple of days later. And you being a musician, you'll appreciate this. Ripper sends me back 14 tracks of vocals and uh, just as they just as options for me because he's a professional obviously. what a pro yeah fantastic yeah and yeah. they all sounded so good yeah so so i so matt and i you know i i finished that song here i did oh god probably 30 mixes on that song um and uh it came out really good where i was happy with it so i was like well let's do another one and we just we kept going we still haven't stopped yeah <laughs> please don't stop because what you what you've got going on here man as i said i meant what i said up the top too about this being the finest collection of metal tunes that i've heard in, in some years mini try tommy mini try believe me but uh it, i'm a big believer in that you know the esther hicks stuff the vortex the law of attraction mm -hmm. got something that's this that this important mate allow me to use the term, the universe, the cosmos, finds a way to make it get heard. And you have these, it sounds like as though they're not they're not random meetings with Ripper and uh, Bobby, but they're meetings that are sure, the, the quality of the material is such that Assured is made sure that you are going to meet the musicians that were the best in class to help bring this, this palette of metal to life for you. Do you feel the same mm. way? Well, it would certainly be a lot different if I had a, diff a different singer on it. Um, but yeah, man, the the one thing why I'm still doing this project and talking to you and I got, you know, a label and some people to help a little bit behind me is because it was so easy to do. You being a musician, you've worked with a lot of nutcakes, a lot, oh, lot of nutcases, I'm sure. Yeah, It's hard. It's hard to uh, find talented people. It's hard to find people that you just like that you get along with. And these guys, all at the points we are in our life, it's just easy. It was really easy to do a song and the quality came out so good. Like, I don't have to, there's no discussion. Like with Bobby, there's at this point, there's no discussion with what to do with Tim. There's no discussion with what to do with Matt. We do all the hard lifting before those guys see it. So we'll, we'll work on tweaking lyrics. We'll tweak melodies, but not a lot. Not, not much. You know, I, I say I write the initial song, have everything ready, send it to Matt. He he puts more melody in it than I probably would. Uh, and then Tim does his thing with it. <laughs> it's it's just too easy. Like it's, it shouldn't be this easy. So, yeah, there's certainly something in the universe, in the ether that is that is making this happen for whatever reason. And it's a good thing. Has has the response been as universally uh positive say as what mine has been well it hasn't even been out two weeks um and the response uh it's not been bad at all it's nothing's compared to to the way it's touching you though um because the people that do podcasts and i haven't got a lot of reviews out there yet but uh um you know they see a lot of metal and it's the attention span everyone asks me like well, if there's one thing you can tell fans or people about this or ask them, I always say at the end of the interview, give yourself four minutes with your headphones in, don't do anything else and just give the song solar storm, for instance, a listen. Yeah. That's all <laughs> you got to do. Um, <laughs> but now, you know, it's, it's hard because we are on an indie label, so we can't compete against the KK's priest, we can't compete against new flotsam and jetsam. We just don't have the reach, you know what I mean? So 
it's probably always going to be an independent thing unless, you know, some weird thing happens and, you know, people, you know, pick it up. I, I agree with you. And and I think that's why I was so enthusiastic. And when Chipster got out to me, the, when I got the email there, uh, Hadley, I think it was, who reached out, um, I thought mm-hmm. I've got to talk to you about this. So I actually, to be honest, I did ask to speak to Bobby, but then when he mentioned that you were the guy at the center of it and that you were available, I was like, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we need to have a chat about this to spread the word. See, I, I yeah. believe, and people who listen to the podcast have heard me say this a lot, but I believe the work that you're doing is vitally important for people's mental health because mm. people need heavy metal, man. You know what it's like. It's it, mm-hmm. it. I know I don't look like a metal guy, but because I like all music, but I don't give a shit what I look like. I mean, it, it is. I'm a dad, and I've got a mortgage and all that stuff, so I've got to participate. Yeah, as me a too. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Then you know, yeah. it's, it's it's. Um, but the point is, mate, is that when we're in our own time, when I'm, you know, you're having a shower, or when you're in the car, or what have you, this is what I've got on. This is what grounds and centers and focuses me for the red next for the next obstacle that I've got to handle and overcome, right. mate. It's heavy metal it's this stuff mm. and that's why i think what you're doing is so important here and that's why i think i want to play a, a, a small a small role albeit but our role in trying to bring the music to the people and i, and I think podcasters and people have a i'm not going to say an obligation because there's not an obligation there but if you hear something that you feel passionate about as i clearly do about what you're doing here with the leviathan project you've got to help the artist you've got to spread the word that way any way you can yeah i appreciate that man it's uh it's true because it's just not going to spread on its own, you mm. know? And it's funny how you talk about when you get in the car and you have your time and music does it for you. Um, I'm the opposite where podcasts do it for me. I don't really listen to music. I listen to stuff like what you're doing. Mm, you know what I mean? Nice. So I think you had recently had on a guy from golden robot. Is that Spot correct? On. Mark Alexander. Yeah, and I was listening yeah. to that today. Like I could have listened to, whatever music but i'd rather listen to you talk to a dude from a record company with these crazy ass stories that's what gets me from point a to point b when i'm driving that's you awesome know? mate what did do you like that episode did it touch any like hit any chords for you so to speak well you know i'm going to be honest i hadn't been exposed to your podcast before and before i do any podcast i want to you know i want to see what it's all about and um I haven't gotten through the whole thing, but what attracted me because I'm always interested in people that are doing record labels now and why they do it. Mm. Um, so it was interesting to hear his background and his insight. I mean, I ask my wife all the time, uh, Deco entertainment, the label that we're signed to like, I'm like, God, how are they going to make any money on this? Why are they doing it? You know, I guess the answer is because we have to, you know, we don't have a choice. Kind of like when you said the, the universe attracted you know, the people for this project mm. and we did it because we had to, I mean, Ripper didn't need to do this. You know, Bobby, certainly Bobby's not really in the metal scene so much. So he didn't need to no, do he's this. Out. Yeah. He's, he's right. Bobby is out. I mean, he's playing, I think he was playing cruise boats or some shit that I saw online <laughs> <laughs> or cabaret show or something. I mean, he, he still looks like a metal guy, doesn't he? But he just doesn't play it from the looks of things. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, I, and I got to go see him play. He's he's heavily entrenched in, in jazz. He yeah. teaches at a college level. He teaches jazz guitar, from what I understand. Um, and he plays around town in Orlando. I mean, I th- think he's got a family and everything too. So it's funny because people are asking me if we're going to play live with this, and um, 
you know, I've actually spent a lot of time researching that today and looking into it, but, uh, Bobby's kind of that one. Like I haven't even talked to him yet. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, people at our age, we can't just up and leave our lives and do stuff. Like I certainly don't want to tour, but some shows would be cool. You know? Yeah. I was going to ask about that actually, but it's incredibly hard with the, I know Florida is a bit different to the rest of the USA. Cause all we see over here is how crazy it is over there, except for Florida and Texas where, where yeah. there hasn't been the, the enormous lockdowns, but we've got the same two-state system going on here where some states over here, like Victoria, uh, which is probably the equivalent of New York, maybe, mm, um, okay. in terms of the way the politics skew I'm talking about, you know, the hard left angle where, well, we've got right. two COVID cases, we've got to lock everybody down for four weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, this shit has been going on for so long, but at least you're in a part of the world there in the US where if you could do, if you wanted to do shows, you might be able to pull off a couple. Yeah, I... Um I, we'll see. I mean, I know that it would, I know a lot of people would like to see it. I would like to get some stuff filmed and, you know, put some more clips together just to drum people to the music. Um, I'd like to see how the band plays live, you know, cause it's just a studio project or a studio band that exists in my computer in my closet, you know, mm. that's all it is <laughs> right now, but it doesn't mean it can't be more. And, uh, you know, it's just finding, the time to get it together. So I was looking at the opportunity in between October and December, and I'm still waiting back on some answers for a few things, but we'll see. Yeah. It's, it's very complicated that side of it. I mean, the fact that you've got this together and it's, it's, it's there is one thing. And that's, to be honest, that's probably enough. The shows are just an added bonus. So I I, I truly, I truly hope that happens and you do some pay-per-view thing or something for it, because I'd love to tune into that. I've bought Mm. the cassette by the way. Oh, sorry, my camera's just decided to go off. It'll come back on in a sec. There we go. Okay, there um, we go. Good. Yeah, uh, I have bought the cassette, by the way, because I do. I love the fact that you've done that, the way that you've packaged it up. But uh, sorry, I've made a couple of points in there. The pay-per-view thing via video, please do that. And I love the fact that you've done the cassette. Awesome. Mm. I appreciate that. I haven't seen the cassette yet myself. So uh, I'm sure it hasn't made its way to Australia, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's something that I came up with and suggested to the label because, uh, I'm bored by digital products. I don't really want to own air or listen to air. (laughs) I'm I'm old. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, this is our first thing we're putting out there. I understand vinyl's expensive and, uh, but, uh, let's do something different. So that's why we did the cassette. There are manufacturers now Toshiba being one of them that are producing brand new cassette players not not mm-hmm. old shit that they're reminting i'm talking about brand new technology that plays cassettes i can it's, yeah it's for release in domestic the japanese domestic market at the moment but you can buy it for about 350 dollars australian which is about 280 dollars us and the import mm-hmm. charges are about 50 or 60 bucks for shipping or whatever it might be so i'm thinking very seriously about about getting one just behind me here is my little shit box which i do play okay. cas- cassettes on but look i bought i bought the nocturnus ad cassette and um lee harrison you know monstrosity uh i bought mm. their cassette these are all bands okay. from tampa tampa i think or some pete's area i can't one of the two yeah dude anyway. i'm very spotty when it comes to bands i mean there's so much stuff i don't know i you know like i said somehow during my career and my life i've missed the band death <laughs> so at some point i'll listen to them you think that after having bobby play on this i might be interested but not yet i'll get to it that's a, that's a good point because when I saw 
I, I certainly, I'm old enough to remember Britney Fox, but I never got into the band, I must confess. I was looking <laughs> at some, well, I was looking at some videos last night and that was a hard pass, to be honest with you, because there's some grit to Britney Fox that I didn't realise was there. I'm, mm. I'm from that grunge death metal era, you know, funk okay. metal, grunge and death metal, because I'm 43. So 1991 was when I was 13, 14. So that's Nirvana. 24-7 yeah. Spies, Faith No More, and Cannibal yeah. Corpse and Morbid Angel. You know, they were the bands that I grew up mm. listening to. So a lot of that, wow. the, 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 I don't like this term, by the way. It's not the vernacular that I choose to use, but hair or glam metal. Um, yeah, but we I, understand the language when you say that. Yeah, yeah, you get it. I just think it can be used yeah. in the pejorative too often, and I think that's unfair, you know, because there, yeah. there are good bands like Britney Fox and White Lion that didn't deserve any negative connotations associated with the label. Good, well-written tunes, certainly from what I heard last night. So my first real dive into it was last night, as I say, on, on YouTube. But, you know, you're the guy from Britney Fox. So this is, I don't know whether this is a left turn from you because, I mean, it's <laughs> its something that's clearly within you. But do, do you get that comment that, wow, the guy from Britney Fox has come out with this extraordinary thrash project? Um, well, one thing with, obviously, you not really knowing the history of Britney Fox. I'm a replacement member that toured with them and worked on an acoustic record. So the original guy, he's, you know, he's not playing anymore. The guy who was on all the videos and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, and there just hasn't been enough exposure yet for people to say, Oh, why would a Britney Fox guy um, be interested in a heavy metal thing? Um, and honestly, I really, when I started this, I, I didn't, I think the PR and, and other people put the Britney Fox label on our original bio. When I was shopping this, I didn't even mention Britney Fox mm, okay. um, because I didn't really, I, you know, I wasn't a huge part of the band. I was part of keeping their name alive. Right. Um, and I don't think anything Britney Fox does has a lot in common with someone who might like death or priest per se. But, you know, whatever, it's it's a topic for conversation. And, hey, man, if it gets you to listen to the song, then whatever, it's fine. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of crossover, but I might not understand the market either. That's that's the other thing. I, I don't think I understand the market either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought, I, and I, again, I got Bobby onto this because of a, a family friend and because his playing that I did check out on Symbolic. I'm like, all right, this is exactly what I want. I thought a lot of people would be interested. I thought it'd be a bonus that the guy from death on the symbolic record played on this. You're the first person that's even mentioned it in the last wow. week of interviews. Crazy. Yeah. Nuts. You know, that's, yeah. And I, that's... again, I got him because of his playing, not because of what band he was in, you know, but yeah, no one said, no one said anything. It's, I think a lot of the places our PR guy hits is more traditional heavy metal and rock. Like death to my ears, dude, that's a whole different ball game. And we're not really talking to people who are into death from what I can tell, except for today, which is good. I'm sure they're doing a great job. So it's not a comment about the job that they're doing, but I, I do feel your project resonates with extreme metal fans. I do think that's where but, it should be. You know, when I was shopping this myself, I was, I was sending it to a lot of black metal labels in Europe. Um, I don't know why. That's just what my gut told me and and i like i like a lot of that music even though it's not black metal um but you know things happen and it took a different route with how this got released but yeah no one's no one's mentioned death at all 
So you're talking seasons of mist, moon fog, maybe sentient ruin over there in California, those sort of labels? Um, some of that stuff, but some either really like gritty, smaller labels, like in England and stuff. I can't remember all the names now, but um, there's a magazine. That, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a physical magazine called Zero Tolerance. I've heard of it, yeah, which is a death yeah. song, named after a death song, I think, by the way, too. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the magazine's been around for quite a while. I think they're on their 100th issue, but... Um, you know, a lot of the small labels that advertise in there, you know, I looked them up, contact them, had dialogue with some of the people. Um, but it, you know, for whatever reason, it just wasn't a good fit. We ended up with, you know, this a different American label, which is kind of cool because the label over here, they don't just specialize in metal. They have the whole spectrum of stuff, which I think allows them, um, uh, some flexibility on what they can do and how they can get this out there. They're just not thinking the metal crowd and that's it or the metal way of marketing. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with it. It's only been a week and a half, so I can't really say too much about it yet. I'm just, I'm just smiling. Cause I think just before last night, again, when I was preparing for our chat, I went through the emails that I've got from Chipster, and I think the one that came through before yours was for Tiffany from them. <laughs> Did you have you seen yes. that? They marketed I, Tiffany. Well, <laughs> I, I was going to mention that, but I, I I didn't know if in in Australia if you guys would be that familiar. But yeah, she's on the label, and she's actually touring with uh, two guys from her touring band. I saw her L.A. Guns members. If you're familiar with L.A. Guns, yeah, I was spoken to Steve. Yeah, he's a good guy. Okay, actually, Steve, yeah, yeah, so. I think it's like the guitar player and bass player or something is part of Tiffany's backing band. Um, the the Kelly but, Nichols, ver- the Kelly Nichols and Steve Riley version, or the the Tracy Young. Dude, I don't too- know. I I, I know. I, in fact, the, the guy from Steve Riley's version, the singer, he lives probably closer to Bobby than me. He's an Orlando guy, but I, I don't. Huh. I don't leave my closet, so I don't really socialize <laughs> with. I just and I don't like going to shows really either. So I don't know him, but. Yeah, so they got Tiffany, which is cool. They got um, I don't know, a handful of other just oddball artists that have nothing to do with this. Um, but I think it's a good thing. You know, I like the idea of the multi-tiered digital release and the cassette. And, um, you know, it's it's cool. The the guy who I deal with, uh, Charlie, the A&R guy, he's actually the keyboard player for the band Angel. Oh wow! Okay, so he's in the yeah. business himself as a as a musician as well as yeah. the true business side of it. Yeah, yeah, he's been around. So you know, he's you know, when I hit him up with something about mastering or um, just question about music, like he's not he understands. You know, so it's cool, man. I hope it works out. I hope we can get as many people to hear it as possible. Mate, if this was released in 1990, you'd have a smash hit on your hands. Because it would be taking the genre forward, you know. But I know I mentioned the comparisons up front, but I just haven't heard somebody tap into this way, this music, the way that you have. You know that there's some some very something ethereal about what you've done here, and I'm glad you mentioned black metal because in in uh, what's track number three? It's there. Uh, that's Solar Solar Storm, isn't it? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that has the intro has a black metal feel to it. Oh, I know it does. <laughs> Oh, you, yeah, you, that's intentional. Um, it came from up there or the stars or somewhere, but I'm aware of it. Yeah, like I, I was writing a song. I wrote this like mellow ballad that Matt's working on melody for now. And I said, this sounds really stupid, Matt, but I don't know where the song came from. I said, it didn't come from me. 
and I'm not one of those crazy nut jobs that says that God or someone gave me a song, but <laughs> I just don't know where the song came from. Too. Plenty of them around. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but Solar Storm, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how that developed. It doesn't make sense how it developed. I can't. There's no reason for me to try to explain it. But yes, there is um, technology that's used in there that's associated with like black metal guitar playing. There's a certain pedal I use. I don't know if you're a guitar player or not. Yeah, I think um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that that tremolo yeah. sort of, you uh, know, those. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, I, I could go into the technology, but no one gives a shit about that. But uh, yeah, man, there's definitely, um, there's there's a black metal influence in there, but I tried to package it into a three and a half, four minute song that people can understand. You know? Yeah, you, you've done that beautifully. And, and I think, again, what you're doing in terms of exposing people to to new forms of music or um, different sounds is that somebody who doesn't listen to black metal may listen to that and go, wow, that sounds really cool, and go out there and get the Watain Emperor um, or Mayhem <laughs> especially is what it reminded me of on that uh, uh, yeah, Mysterio Dom Satanas album. Some of the leads there, some of... Um, What's that guy who got killed? God, any other time I'd remember his bloody name. It's not Maniac. What was his? Euronymous. Reminded me of some yeah. of his guitar playing. Um, but, I mean, that's that's hmm. rad. That's that's so nice that that you have that. I'm a massive black metal appreciator and aficionado. And um, Yeah, see, I, Mayhem, I've never even heard them before. I'm very selective in the stuff I've found so far. But, um, wow. God, I, I think the... Um, Sometimes I'll hear black metal. I don't know what it is. It's just like the mood or, or whatever, how it makes me feel. Like I don't go and I don't try to read the lyrics. Um, I did like Dark Throne. They have their second and third record, I think. I like those a lot. There's that new band, Moidic, that I mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I on, that one. They're on the same label as Dark Throne. Um, there's this band, 1349, I think they're called. Yeah, I've interviewed um, Frost, Frost from Satyricon's band. I had a chat to him, yep. Okay. So anyway, I don't really know the, the bands. I don't know the songs. I just understand and feel the atmosphere of it, <laughs> you'd if like that makes Burzum. sense. Yeah, you'd love Burzum then if you haven't heard Count Grishnak or whatever his real name is. Again, God, I've got a mental blank today. must have been a busy week. But so, Yeah, that dude, yeah. he's pretty nutty on YouTube or something. Didn't he get shut down? Or I, I can't remember his name, but oh, he's, it wasn't he's in jail. In case. Yeah, yeah, he killed Euronymous. He's a nutcase. <laughs> okay. <but> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good for him. Whatever. I don't know. I just yeah. make heavy metal in my closet here. Well, no, it's, it's all good. But I mean, you, you're doing such a great you're doing such a great job at it, and it sounds like you, you've got your filters open to new and interesting sounds, and you're packaging them together on a product that, as I said, mate, and and I want and I, and I for the third time I make the point is the the most cohesive and the best collection of heavy metal tunes that I've heard in a couple of years, mate, like three or four years. I, I'm struggling to think, mate, maybe maybe I have to go back to the behemoth, the Satanist. Ooh, maybe. Yeah. You know, I have to sort of go back to there before I heard something. I was like, oh, this is taking – I feel you're taking metal in a different direction using – you've assembled components that are already there, but you're putting them together in a way that nobody else has and you're taking it hmm. forward. And I think you with the incorporation of the black metal – aspects and elements is just further proof of that. Mm. Oh, cool. I mean, I'm glad you like it, man. It's awesome. 
The the other feature was the the I love the fact that you've used orange. Now I know hardly anybody will see the album cover these days because they're listening to it on Spotify playlists or what have you. But why did you choose orange as the dominating color to associate the band with? Um, there's the the guy who painted that. His name is Les Edwards. He's a, a English painter and artist, an older guy. Um, and I contacted him. I felt I needed a strong piece of art when I was shopping this because I thought it would legitimize and, you know, connect the ear to the eye when they listen to music. Um, and I sent Les an email and picked four pieces of art that he had done already. And that was one of them. And he said, yeah, that's available and you can license it for digital. Um, so again, it was the, the universe finding that artwork and putting it with the band. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm not trying to I don't particularly you. like the orange color. I'm not a big fan of orange, but it looks really, it looks nice. It, it's, it represents something. And again, that's something I can't touch. I don't know what it is, but it represents something pretty cool in the music. I might try and show you just quickly what I've done up when I release it as a podcast episode, the artwork that I've done up because I've drawn, I've drawn on, I do, you do a lot of stuff with Adobe products. And mm-hmm. I'm drawn on the inspiration, of course, to try to, uh, that's already there, to, to put something together that looks, as I say, cohesive. So bear with me two seconds and I'll just see if I can find it. Uh, where are we? Got to go into there. Okay. Then I'll share screen. Two seconds. All right. So share screen. There we go. Desktop one. It'll look like you're looking into a mirror for a sec when I do this, but tell me if you can see everything. Oh, hang on. What's it doing? Yeah, share. Fine. Yep, of course. All right. Something's happening. Okay, cool. That's what I've done up. So, awesome. um, yeah, I, cool. I like I like putting the artwork with things because, it again, it just comes back down to what is successful and what is what people on YouTube uh, find interesting to look at too. It's um, just one of those things. So I'm putting a lot of effort into the artwork these days. It's a learning experience as you can appreciate with anything to do with Adobe. It's uh, There's about a million ways you can do things. You've just got to find find the way that works best for you, I think. you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I use Photoshop for all this stuff that I've been doing because I, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I've done everything from create the logo to the website to all this stuff. So, I, yeah, but no, I mean, I appreciate you using the artwork in there and, and you know, because I think that it does draw people's attention to it. Somehow it's trying to make a connection from the eye to the ear, like I said. Yeah, I think it's important. And I think YouTube, uh, it just, YouTube, like I, I didn't, I, for the listener's benefit, our opening conversation, I haven't included in the in, in the podcast episode, but in the introduction, Tommy and I were talking about um, the effectiveness and the broad reach of YouTube. And you need to have strong visuals that go along with it. You can't just have a blank screen that's not effectively doing anything. So something that you just rip from something because it just doesn't look that great and you don't get the penetration you need. So I've gone to a lot of effort these days with the artwork. That's why I've done that, you know, and as I said, mate, there's hopefully I guess it spreads the word and and people are more intrigued to find out a little bit more about what's going on. But um, mate, that's, yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it from me. Did you want to share anything else that I might not have asked or might've overlooked about the EP and the project? Um. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm not. Did we get in our conversation that uh, 
you know, we have the limited edition cassettes that we're selling. So I think we still have a few of those left and there is a t-shirt bundle. So you can get a t-shirt with it. Um, and yeah, take four minutes, stop everything else that you're doing, and listen to solar storm or one of the other songs. And I got to think, and I've told everyone this, if you listen to solar storm quietly for four minutes and you don't like it, then you're probably just don't really care for hard rock or metal, because I really think that we put something in there for everybody. I absolutely agree with that. I couldn't imagine if you consider yourself a fan of hard rock and heavy metal, why you wouldn't embrace this collection of tunes, you know, for, for people, for people's benefit, there's six cuts. I think there's three mm -hmm. cuts that are, are, are balls to the wall, no bullshit, heavy metal imbued with all of the things that I've already spoken about. And there's three, well, I guess you'd call them atmospheric or instrumental cuts, which just add to the whole thing. So, and, I, and look, I probably, I probably haven't touched on, on them enough, but were the instrumental cuts, were they written before or after the, the actual metal songs were taken care of? Um, pr uh, probably before, and I've tweaked some of them. I had written those for a project a long, long time ago. Um, and, oh God, probably they go a long, long, long time ago. And I think the first time I heard this Swiss uh, band called Samael, um, and yeah, once I heard that band, yeah, like probably one of my favorites, um, that just influenced me a lot. And I never had a home for those. I have a lot of instrumental tracks. Um, and yeah, I, at the time I didn't know it, but they are atmospheric. They're kind of new age type music, maybe a little bit of black metal and atmospheric in there. I don't know what you call it, but I finally found a home for it with Leviathan project. Um, and I just wrote two more in the last uh, in the last couple of days, actually. So, um, you know, I just like doing it. Sometimes I got to take a break from the metal and just kind of do that. Hmm. So. This, this is my final point. I, I feel as though you are the perfect collaborator for Trey Azigtoth from Morbid Angel because he does a lot of that sort of ambient stuff as well in addition to the brutal heavy metal death metal that he basically invented let's face it uh with his riffage but the sort of this with the way that he thinks and i've spoken to i've i'm such a big fan of morbid angel i've actually spoken and interviewed his mother because it's impossible oh, wow. at this point to even get an interview with him um he just he doesn't hasn't done press in probably since 2000 and 2003 or four not not a press <laughs> blitz anyway he might have granted an interview here and there but uh but right oh, and when I spoke to her, she was encouraging. She was saying, oh, I'd love him to go and do something on the side as well. And uh, I've always got my ear to the ground. And, I, of course, I can't make anything happen. I just sort of put these things out there. Maybe if it ever comes mm -hmm. up in conversation or something like that and, you know, <laughs> the universe and the planets align to conspire to bring you guys together, man, I'd love to hear what you guys come up with together. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to look him up because I'm not really familiar with what he does. Is he American? Yeah, he's from he's just near you. He's in Tampa. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. He's from That's just my my odd selective knowledge on everything music. You know. I guess so. I guess so. I just consider myself a 
I'm just one of those guys that uh, a bit like Chris, you know, you, you make Chris Aiken. Um, yeah. It's just always been there and I just consider myself an aficionado of it. And so it's impossible for me not to dive into the bands and find out who did what, when and how and what instrument and what gear. And on that, I get that deep into things and what happened on that tour and who they toured with and even who was tour managing. I, I love listening and reading about all of that sort of yeah. stuff. But I get like that with bands too. It's just, I've like I said, I've just missed... I've just missed some along the way it's to no fault of anyone's, but I just, you said morbid angel, right? I know that I probably read about them, but I don't know any of their music. So I definitely want to check it out. Yeah. Morbid angel. A lot of that. Well, death metal is almost a Floridian construct in a lot of ways, certainly as it sounds today from the perspective mm. that the leading lights, deicide, obituary, morbid angel and cannibal corpse relocated from Buffalo down to, I might have been uh, Tampa, I think, as well. I'm pretty sure it was. I could be wrong. But uh, the four big ones, the four ones that practically invented the way that it has been popularised, and that's the important point. I realised they were death metal bands beforehand, but mm. they didn't quite catch on. They were the four bands that caught on. And, and it's interesting because I'm about 40, I'm about 40 minutes from Tampa. I've been here for about 20 years in Florida, and uh, I don't know if there's still a scene there, if those guys are still around, but it's interesting that you say that apparently there's a pub called the brass mug i think it is and and they play a lot of that sort of stuff around there it's it's the same here <laughs> though mate. like like there's no scenes there's just people yeah people find these days with the internet you can have your bass player from helsinki and finland and your drummer from oslo and norway and you're where you are you know it's just how it can work these days and you can <laughs> never never the twain shall you ever meet you know it's yeah. it's how it works in 2020. Sometimes it's better that way. <laughs> Especially <laughs> your comments resonated big time about working with dickhead musicians because God knows <laughs> it's just, had... <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, it's not man. even a musician. It's take musician out. It's just working with anybody, you know? So. Yeah, you're right. And I've had to, re to reassess my own thinking on that, meaning that I, I try not to be overtly critical because we've all got our follies and our, our unique sure. perspectives on life, but just working with people in general is extremely difficult uh, because people, uh, especially if you work in corporations, and no doubt you've worked in office jobs or whatever it might be, mate. You're working with people. Half of oh, them yeah. body do. Half of them are depressed. Um, the excuses that people. <laughs> uh, the excuses that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like, what are you fucking depressed about? For God's sakes! I mean, there are things you can do to get yourself out of anything these days. Develop a passion or a hobby, or or go swimming, or go running, or play football, or something. There, you know, whatever. I know. I know that there are unintended consequences to actions, and we don't know if I know that yeah. until it's too late. But. Just for God's sakes, you know, there are just so many people around that are intent on being assholes rather than yeah. doing, for example, what you're doing here, which is adding something to the world that helps people. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I guess uh, if everyone could do it, then this wouldn't be special, right? <laughs> Your podcast and my music. <laughs> True. Yeah, true. It's just, it's, yeah, as no, I say, no, as, as you've, well, as you've said, and, and, and as I agree, you know, it's not just musicians, it is people and people are bloody difficult, you know, and uh, yeah, you've got, you got your family and sometimes even families break apart and you've just got to sort of find a way to keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep plowing forward. And I know for me, uh, it's music uh, and swimming, <laughs> the two main things these days, outside of family commitments, of course, you know. Well, you know, and that's with the music I do. I, I think it's uh, it's looking for that 
and I mentioned this on Aiken's show, Chris Aiken, a week or so ago, it's that bigger picture of the why are we here and the music is trying to reach that something that's out there. And we don't know what, we don't even know what that something is, but it's, it's, um, it's not a linear thing where I can connect the dots to that, but uh, I don't know. That probably doesn't even make sense to most people. I think to you, it does. <laughs> it makes it makes complete sense because I've done I do tarot card readings and oh, in the past mm. I've gotten into astrology and I, okay. I still believe that there's truth to the tarot card readings because there's just some stuff that comes up where it's like it's it's very strange. And it's ethereal. It is ethereal. It doesn't make a lot of sense in the moment, but it becomes yeah. apparent afterwards without you having to sort of, you know, manipulate things to sort of fit a narrative, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, astrologists. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're, sorry, you go. No, you're on me. You go. Well, I was going to say with this, your point about this whole band, Leviathan Project, there's there's no narrative. There's no way to explain it. I guess in all these interviews I do, I try to put a narrative around it. So the normal super dumb person can understand it, but there's, you know, there's no point. I just talk about it's fun, but I don't know why it happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm hearing you. And it's, yeah, that's, that's a very good point you raise about you can't use any other language in the language you've chosen to use to describe what you're doing. If you, if you, if you dumb it down, you lose the essence of what you're trying to say. It's like saying to somebody who is struggling to learn how to learn the French or the Spanish language, they say, make it easier for me. You can't. You just got to work harder. And and there's no other way around it. And I think, I think look, I do think metal and you talk about Bobby and his interest in jazz, it's not for everybody. We know that. It's the path yeah. lesser trod. You know, it's not, <laughs> I've got to mention it, the Spice World poster behind you, that's awesome. And the, (laughs) yeah, well that, you know, they're the, um, I have that and I have, that's like, can you see that? But yeah, it's behemoth there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 And then the Wyndham Hill CD long box, it's the winter Mm -hmm. solstice, one of my favorite collections, but you know, the thing about the spice girls and Leviathan project is that I, I don't write, um, seven, eight minute, 20 minute dream theater songs. I try to, to limit the amount of choruses that I put in a song uh, because I want people to only hear it for three and a half, four minutes. And I don't, I want them to go back and want to hear it again. I want it to be addictive. And the thing with spice girls, whoever wrote their songs, they're three minute catchy pop songs, right? I think people's attention span, including myself nowadays, like I said before is so friggin' short that I don't want to have a song that's drug out with Bobby's guitar solo for 20 minutes. I want it because Bobby's guitar solos, they're, they're so tight and then they're done. And you're like, Oh my, I gotta go hear that again. And you hear it. And it's like, fuck, I want it. It's I want him to play long. No, I'm going to go hear it again. So spice girl, it's not put up there as just a, a joke. I mean, I sure it's a conversation starter, but it's, that's, I don't know where it is. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Well, I mean, look, how, how many albums did they sell back when you could actually sell albums and how big were they? I mean, they attracted just about every single young girl age between, young woman or whatever, age between 5 and 15, their attention for about 10 years, for about a decade. They were doing a but lot right from a marketing perspective. Great. Yeah, the great songs, uh, simple to the point, great production value. I mean, who's ever, like I said, was producing their stuff just – dead on you mentioned early on like you imagine i spent thousands of hours recording this stuff 
Hmm. Well, so did the guys that reported them, I'm sure. You'd have to. Or else they're going to suck balls. (laughs) You know? Yeah, and back before there was algorithms. And when you listen to Behemoth, I mean, God, you think they don't know what they're doing? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's fucking masterful technicians. Same as the Spice Girls what they did team behind them no difference to me yeah we're on exactly the same page and i'm so glad you draw that comparison i've spoken to adam aka i hate using their stupid you know pseudonym names nergal or negal or whatever his pseudonym is <laughs> his name's his name's adam for god's sakes <laughs> sorry my bloody Whoops. camera's gone off again let's see if it goes back That's on. all right there we go there, there we go. it does that yeah um but i've spoken to adam before and he's as sharp as attack that guy mm-hmm. you know you know how i know that is because he does so much press, he's disengaged. For the first five minutes of our chat, I could tell he was just sort of blah, blah, blah. But as soon as he twisted around, and I mentioned Bauhaus, who are one of my favourite bands, bands hmm. and the comparison to one of the songs on their most recent album, and he came alive. He just wants to, he wants to know that people are engaged and are tuned in, and then he'll give something back, you know, in, in an interview. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. But the, the, the Satanist, and, and I've seen them live too, they are... They've transcended black metal but stayed black metal. They're the only one that's done that, them and Watain, I think. You know, Watain mm. from Sweden, who were just brilliant I, as well. I don't know that band, but. Uh, brilliant band, man. I think huh. if you, all of the bands that we've spoken about, um, Satyricon, of course, are another one, but uh, Watain are just, man, they've got so much fire, power and energy mm. about them. And such, check them out. They look like a bunch of freaks, there's no doubt, but I've spoken to Eric Danielson, the singer, not lovely guy, like like talking to you, mate. You know, it's just like they're just, mate, we're just people, just trying to bring music to the people in a way that we feel is, matches the characteristics of our soul, the expression that matches our soul. Yeah, definitely. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Andrew. No worries, brother. All right, well, enjoy your night and uh, chat to you soon. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take care. Bye. Thanks, mate. Catch ya. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate that. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. That was a conversation that featured Tommy Crash, the fella at the centre of the Leviathan Project. If you liked that and you want to listen to interviews, well, they're not interviews. They're conversations. They're conversations And I've got over 550 of them available at scarsandguitars.com. Head over there and have a look. The website is under construction, so it looks a bit shit at the moment, but you can still find the podcast episodes. Apart from that, I'd appreciate if you could like, subscribe, and share across all social channels. I'm easily found. YouTube, of course, Facebook, Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in again.